Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Motion Show with me, Joe Dwyer, and Stuart Diebel, uh, coming to you from our new home, Stu. Yes, uh, the Face Radio. What? Uh, what? A, we've done a free transfer, the third, <laughs> third one in our career, and um, yeah, looking forward to you know getting out there to a bigger, larger, wider world. I think exactly. And yeah, it's nice to be out, get some push as well, and. Uh, yeah, and we've got a special guest on today, haven't we, Joe? We do, we do. We've got Mark Baxter joining us to talk about his new book that he's co-authored with you, Stu. Oh, yeah, that book, yeah, I've been working on for <laughs> quite a while now, called Every Ticket Tells a Story. No sleep till!
That was No Sleep Till Brooklyn off of 1986's Licence to Ill. That's an album I've been listening to lately, Stu. Is it? Yeah, I went to uh, an exhibition at the Saatchi Gallery about um, what it's called Beyond the Streets, which is sort of looking at that sort of hip-hop graffiti culture of the the 80s or the late 70s onwards, really, um, and which they obviously form quite a big part of. They did. And that, was that the exhibition you went to instead of going to Chelsea? Uh, I went before I went to Chelsea, yeah. And then I had to go home rather than go to watch Chelsea draw with Leeds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, less said about that, the better, right? <laughs> 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 what have we got next, Stu? Uh, we've got a track called Right On by The Roots.
It's, uh, it's been a malfunction, Face Radio listeners. Uh, yeah, that roots right on. When did that come out? Last year, was it? Yeah, it's relatively recent, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's good, yeah. As you can see, we've not research has gone out the window a little bit. <laughs> Mainly because I've been a bit busy. Yes, what have you been doing, Stu? Tell us. I've been working with Billy Sullivan on his new album, which got released. 10th of March. 10th of March. Um and yeah yeah well he's been working on it a long time uh, it's his first solo record and he was on a previous show talking about it you can go back and listen to it on Mixcloud um, but yeah just been on the road so we've done the tour with, with around the album we've done six dates so far well it'll be seven by the time you listen to this because the hundred club would have gone but, um, but yes yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been interesting um, it's been uh, it's been for me, going back on the road after five years, uh, it's just, I mean, I can do it, but it hurts. <laughs> were they new venues you were playing? Yeah, I've not been to... Glasgow Audio I've not been to before, which was the best. That was the best out of the six gigs uh, that I've, I've done so far. And uh, it's a great small room right in the centre of Glasgow, underneath the arches. Uh, a good crowd in. We had a really good support called Resistor, who's... Uh, who were formerly a band called Dogtooth that we played with before. Really nice, nice lads and their dad, one of the kids' dads, Jim, is a mate. Uh, so we helped get fill the gaff up as well. It's good. Uh, also been, also went back to Leopard in Doncaster, uh, which was a Thursday night in Doncaster, which sounds as sexy as it uh, yeah. comes across. <laughs> That may be wasted on uh, some of our. It might be wasted if you live in Gatawama yeah. or or, G- or Iran, um, but you know these Doncaster sort of like uh, I don't know what you call it really. <laughs> there are a few words. Yeah, 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 it's all right. You know, well, anyway, listen, anyway that people turn up and you play music, it's good. Sunderland was the last gig of uh, four. We've done four dates over a weekend, including Edinburgh. Um, and we end up in Sunderland uh, and I'd been in Sunderland for 30 odd years and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a broken place it's really quite <laughs> mental you know it was where the gig was and that was uh, at a bar next door that the boys popped into and uh, they wanted to know who Billy was because you know Billy's well dressed man <laughs> and he stood out against all the tracksuits and the uh, the fat Biff was walking up and down the ice street you know what I mean <laughs> And they uh, put his song on, puts his music on the, the jukebox. He, oh, he did that or they no, did they that? No, they, <laughs> they, did, they did that. And, uh, well, not the jukebox, the Spotify playlist that was coming home. So that was quite interesting to hear his music coming storming out of a pub called The Toy House. Uh, and the gig was brilliant, but the promoter didn't show. Um, and yeah, so I can't really go into too much about the the promotion side and that, but uh, we'll save it for next month's show. We'll save it for next <laughs> month, but yes. Um, so what have we got coming up, Stu? What we've got coming up? Yeah, sorry if I rambled away. There. Anyway, one of the tracks I've been playing on this tour is an old Spitfire track called Tower Above Me, and um, it's it's just great to watch the four lads all gel together because he's part of part of the gigs really and just see this band sort of grow it felt like they played 60 70 gigs you know rather than just a six so this is part of the set let's hear it tower above me
lives together For us to cross paths when intertwined So we are interlocked now Firmly in each other's arms So you best not let go The so-called affection is dished out onto our plates While we eat our dinner Eye contact made across the table But unable to return it back to the sender in the room to an empty space with not a soul wanting to listen nor a dog nor a man on the phone who complains about his first world problems step in step out step in step off this is the choice you'd have to make but both places are the same but except the visuals that were addressed to me now dumped onto the side of the pavement Expected to grow from the cracks in the road Pick up your words to form your spoken voice I'm here to talk to you today, so I'd appreciate you listen Ears locked up with no key for use Knock knock, is anyone home? Your lights are on, so open up your window So we know where to go next with our tale This is what we wish from each other This is what we wish to see Suddenly awake from a horrid dream To find you are cuffed and chained to a rotting tree The more you struggle, the tighter it gets The more you wonder, the older I become This is what we wish from each other This is what we wish to see That was Eds, spelled E-D-D-Z, uh, with what we wish to see. Don't laugh, Joe. The, uh, that is uh, the, originate, the originator of that track is Liam Taylor, who comes from Northampton and plays with Billy's band. He plays guitar. And, uh, yeah, he's got, you know, he's, he's a, a creator. I like him. He's my friend. <laughs> and I think you should check him out more on Spotify. I think that track was out last year, but he's... Um, He's making little waves for himself, uh, but he had got a Radio X session the other week, um, 
with John Kennedy and uh, yeah, I wish him all the best Liam I hope you share this all over your platforms <laughs> when you, otherwise you get beat uh, coming up next the Dream Machine what's a, what's a Dream Machine yeah. who's this uh, do you know what they're my favourite sort of new band of the last couple of years Joe. I think they're brilliant they remind me of sort of that early choral sound that psychedelic sound I just think they're absolutely brilliant um, I've got a London gig on the 9th of May uh, which I've got tickets for and I cannot remember for the life of me where it is you can't remember the venue nope I will do some research while it's playing uh, but this is the title track off of their um, EP um, and for me it's the standout track off of it this is called Lola in the Morning
Hagen White with Out Here On My Own which I sometimes feel comes over me quite a lot sometimes <laughs> uh, yes Chris Hagen Steve White um, um, making music there sorry I've lost my chain of thought there <laughs> trying to be clever uh, Steve White is the former drummer with the Style Council and has obviously played with many many people and he's obviously one of the best drummers in the world and uh, Chris Haig there uh, with the vocals and loads of other bits great song that don't you think Joe? yeah I enjoyed it I enjoyed yeah, it yeah, is that their first release? no nah, they've done quite a bit of work together now but uh, yeah uh, good luck Steve's um, I'll look, Steve's oh, we're not close mates but we're mates I think I'd like to say and uh, I wish you both all the best with everything that they do lovely yeah. and before that we heard Vida uh, old pals of mine um, that was their first release since 2019 um, they were sort of making waves and then they they called it called it a day but they're back with a new singer um, and I really enjoyed that so hopefully there's plenty more to come from them and obviously before that we heard The Dream Machine with Lola in the morning and that gig on the 9th of May is at the Lexington so if you are around it would be well worth your while buying tickets get in there we did a gig with Vida years ago they, in Dunfermline yeah. they supported Spitfires yeah and uh, yeah oh, good good band yeah they were they were sort of real Britpop sound initially it's changed a bit they they were well out I mean they were past I've done even where they was in a country a bit further out from might be Falkirk or something like that Alloa yeah Alloa yeah of course yeah so uh, I can imagine it's such a noise getting down the country do gigs um you know when there's no money available especially when promoters are being weird <laughs> uh, yeah coming up next this is one of my picks one of the greatest songs ever made and uh, hopefully it will bring on summer because it's been the coldest winter <laughs> not cold but just miserable miserable isn't it? miserable winter miserable can't wait and not get my shorts back on and uh, you know let it all hang out baby <laughs> <laughs>
that was Ichiku Park uh, by M People. I'd never heard that before. I'd somehow never heard it before. And I was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and it was some someone who said, "What's the greatest cover?" Uh, version of all time and someone said that and I thought I never knew they covered really? it yeah whilst I don't think it is the greatest cover version of all time uh, I think that's all so along the watchtower they but... just looked at cover and not actually listen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got slightly different opinions I think that's great I'm uh, if you'd have said to me when I first got into small faces around the early to mid 80s that someone would do a pop dance version of it I'd have laughed then and when I heard it I actually laughed again <laughs> But uh, I, you know, well, M people. I like. I mean, the first couple of tracks M people did sort of, you know, because Mike Pickering was the main man behind it, and uh, obviously with his hacienda uh, credentials and stuff. So there was some real sort of early sort of house dance classics. I thought pop classics, and um, unfortunately, I just kept going. <laughs> and, uh, this, this is. Uh, I, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard, but uh, I'm not a fan. But what would Steve Marriott have made? Steve of it? Marriott would have probably liked it, partly because of the royalties he'd have got. But uh, I think I think if you're a musician and someone does a classic, and it's not you know it's not a cover, it's not a straight cover, it's something different. Yeah, it's I their think, own interpretation. Of yeah, it, I, it? I, 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 I think we should ask Kenny. Really, I'm, yeah, I'll have to. I'm not that I know Kenny Jones, but I'm sure that uh, if I ever get the opportunity, I'll say, "What did you think?" And he'll, I'm sure he'll say that you know he thinks it's all right you know which is fair enough um, it's not for me it's not for my ears and I think Joe needs a slap <laughs> no I don't he'd probably hit me back harder um, yeah coming up next we've got four well I don't know how many tracks have we got we've got a few coming up anyway all from the 80s Joe look at there that are, look at that eh? look at look that, at and that. that I mean the first one is one of the greats you know that's from the sublime back you know if you sorry from the ridiculous and sublime, I should say, I think, coming up here <laughs> on our new slot on Face Radio. Hopefully, you're all tuned in and still carrying on with us. But uh, this is Dexy's Midnight Runners, and there, there, my dear.
searching for the young soul rebels. I've been searching everywhere. I can't find them anywhere. Where have you hidden them?
The soul of Brooklyn. You're listening to The Face Radio. You know, you just heard the jams, the dreams of children live from the Glasgow Apollo 1982, which brings us nicely into uh, our guest. It does, it does. We've got uh, Mark Baxter joining us. Mark, thank you very much. Uh, chaps, I thank you. Thank you for the invitation, as always. And uh, you're here to talk about the book that you are writing with Stu at the moment. But uh, before we get started talking about that, can you just give us a bit of background about, um, you know, your work as an author and filmmaker? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it all started in around 2000. My dad decided, said he died, and I, I just sort of had one of those moments. You sort of think, well, what is all this about? What are we doing? I, I need to do something. I need to put something down. I just I had that really over bearing uh, thought process of like um, I need to write something about my dad really so I started this idea about a book which has become the, a book called The Mumper but I quickly found out it was very difficult to do and I had no idea what I was doing I was just out writing loads and loads and loads but I had no real structure to it but around that time I met a Paolo Hewitt obviously many people know Paolo and his work and um, we started talking and he said like you know a novel for a first book's quite ambitious. Maybe you want to sort of uh, 
do something else first, get into the publishing world, see how it all works. So we had a, another idea called the fashion of football, which was basically fashions within the game on the terraces, on the pitch. Um, and that came out in 2003. So it took like a couple of years to do the research and stuff. And, and I learned a lot, good, good and bad, really. Um, and that did set me up for the month up, which then become um, a novel um, around, all based in South East London, very, very niche, very, <laughs> you know, just about the area. A lot of people, a lot of people still don't really understand it, which is perfectly what, that's why I wanted to do that because I wanted to put down this marker about an area or a very small area of South East London. And um, no one was more surprised than me. You got picked up by a film company and become a feature film a few years later. Um, called they called it Outside Bet and it had Bob Hoskins in it and I'm a massive Bob Hoskins fan so uh, it was like a bit of a dream come true really so that just got once you get that vibe that you can do this I mean it was a miracle but it can happen so that's it that's all I need a bit of a little bit of um, encouragement I always say don't encourage me I'm the worst player to encourage <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I was away and I just I just started writing and I just started realising there's a pound note in it if you if you write about what you know, don't start writing about 18th century France. There's no point me doing that. <laughs> you know, stick to football, you know, music, clothes, subcultures, you know, that sort of thing. And that, that that's really it. And I, I mean, I'm, up, I'm up to about thirty books now, which I I still struggle to understand how that happened. Really, <laughs> and I suppose and then, Stu, oh, you're sorry. quite you're quite you know your your books have been sort of a similar sort of yeah. what, what you're writing about what you know about. Well, Bax always seems to be two steps ahead of me anyway, so uh, which is good, you know, because it means that he breaks all the mistakes first. I just yeah. sort of copy him. But no, he's, um, he's always been an inspiration. And uh, when we first met, we first met in uh, when we went, uh, we, me and Snowy went to interview Mark for the Jam book, the Figures Thieves book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I first met him at the famous Georgie's uh shop you know the Fred Needle man and then we yeah. went and had a chat next door in the cafe where he took all his uh, where he took all his meetings on a Friday and uh, just shit it off from there really and Mark ended yeah. up doing the PR for the book so uh, I was always mightily impressed about you know I'm always impressed by anyone who, who makes the most of sometimes what it seems to be what little background you got in that field you know and uh, I think it was inevitable one day we would write a book together I yeah, I mean, I was I was always told to write about like you know stop looking around corners. You know, it's in front of you. It's, it's actually sitting in front of you. All everything we do is sitting in front of us. So music, fashion, you know, or yeah. where it might be, and that that is proved to be the best thing I was ever ever told. You know, like, step stop trying to be something you're not. Yeah. And then, because because you can back it up, you know, you, whatever you write about, you can back. Be like this book we're doing now. We've been, you know, we've been to millions of gigs. We we know millions of people, and you know, we know all the stories. We've heard loads of stories. So you know, you can write about that with a bit of authentic uh, background, and that's what. And also, that is quite a niche market for us because we are authentic working class people, and there ain't that many really in the publishing film world. There's not that many really. I know no, that for no. a fact because I've run across many people, and there's very few people that sound like me and Stu. And that <laughs> that isn't that isn't a put down. That's just a way. That's a product of our environment. We come from an environment where you speak like that, and I won't I won't tone it tone, tone it down. Um, not necessarily just being an arsehole about it. I just won't. I don't see why I should. Yeah. So we're coming from a world like that, and then you you then I'm, on, I'm on, he's the same as me really. You either want it, you don't. You don't want it, don't matter. Move on. We'll just go on to the next one. And that, yeah, that, that it's always someone is, that will have it. 
Yeah, there's always a crowd. There's always a crowd there, but the attitude is not not worried about so much about what people really think of you or the idea. It's more about you know it's a good idea. Why you wouldn't do it in the first place? He's using that street now some street smarts that you think that's a really good idea. Like when he first when Stu first mentioned this idea, I thought it's a cracker. You know, straight away it's a great idea. Now you don't know if, you don't know if he's going to sell or not, but you but you know it's a great idea and it's something you can get your teeth into. And uh, yeah, that's how I've always, I've always worked like that really. So before we, we sort of go into uh, detail about the book, we're going to listen to a couple of songs. Um, that One that you've picked, Bax, which is Joy and Pain, and one that you picked, Stu, which was uh, <coughs> Say Yeah. So just s- tell me a little bit, why, why did you pick why did you pick those, Stu? Let's start with yours. Uh, well, Doris Troy, uh, Say Yeah, that was... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was a friend of Bax's that came on board with the idea who run a club in, uh, in Soho and got Doris over. He was desperate to have Doris on. And the story just resonated with me because Gordon was someone that I identified with just for the fact that he wanted to bring one of his heroes over and put put her on and the story around it and you know she was a bit she was susceptible I think to the idea at first because uh, you know it's not the London Palladium or the story or whatever but um, the name of the bar escapes me but it was just uh, I just like the idea the what sorry Back bar, back bar, of course, a back bar, right? So, so, and uh, I just love the the story around that, and um, so yeah, I mean, how do you know Golden? I worked with Golden actually when I was uh, when I was in between. Uh, I've always done loads of things in between the writing or uh, up until two thousand eight. I did, and I walked into a I walked into a post room like on a, on a sort of um, what's called it temporary basis just to get a bit of mortgage money, and there was a guy sitting there, and he had about a million Northern Soul CDs stacked up in the post room and I was like I'll be alright here I'm going to be fine here and then he, he, he was a live wire called I'm going back like quite a long while I'm going back to the mid late eight, uh, 90s and he was an absolute live wire he was out every night of the week but he always got to work at six half six in the morning to do the post and, we, and, and I was a bit out, I was out quite a lot as well so we were both really hanging every morning <laughs> and the only way to get through it I was bang, bang on like the likes of Doris Troy and all them Chuck Jackson at full wallop at, at the sort of half six seven o'clock there's no one else in the building apart from a couple of cleaners who thought we were mental and uh, <laughs> we were bouncing off the walls with this music sorting all these ten bags of mail out and, and, and me and Golden stayed mates ever since and then the story of him having Doris there was just incredible because I, I, I was a massive fan of that music and, and Doris Joy 
and he just threw away yeah I'll put her on one, one night I'll put her a club I'd a club in solo which I completely believe because the thing it, the guy was up to all sorts he said I'll just I'll, I'll just bring her up and put her on and uh, you know he just took off and that that sort of get up and do uh, spirit and that, that I love that and uh, you know he was perfect for the book really because not many people have really done that with people like of her standard really no that's why it sort of it stood out a bit for me and um so she, she's from she's American and she Doris I don't know what state yeah. she's from but uh, I just yeah like I suppose that's why a similar thing you know yeah. just got up and done it and uh, you know if you throw if you throw something at the wall sometimes some of these things stick most of them run down the wall but that one really did and that story yeah. is just uh, I think it's a big you know part of what we do you know yeah and so joy and pain then back to where well that's, that's, that's because coming out of the south sort of soul boy thing really um, I was I've, I've been in all sorts of music but really when you think back when I think back to it it's like it's always been um, pub related <laughs> <laughs> so like you know, the old man was a pub singer so I heard all the old Sinatra and Tony Bennett as a kid really sitting listening to him and then later on you know you sort of Old Kent Road and Warworth Road and the soul scene was massive and uh, that tune you know Maze to and Payne that tune is that was just a uh, a stand at an anthem really and um opportunity to go and see him live i mean i didn't go many live gigs I'm, I, i've always said most of the money i had was in football really home and away with me world so i didn't have a lot i didn't really do a lot of gigs till so around that sort of time sort of um you know uh, early 80s when i worked in the print and i i used again i've always worked in postings it's easy just fairly easy work really to be honest and then <laughs> apart from the hours and um I just used to open all these envelopes up. There'd be a load of tickets in these envelopes though, for the journalists to go to gigs, and they never, they never went. They just threw them in the bin. So I thought, well, I'll have them. <laughs> so, I started, so I started selling them or going to the gigs, and I went, I went to a complete mishmash of uh, live gigs for about three or four years with all sorts of people, all sorts of places, just because it was free. You know, got a couple of tickets in your pocket. And I went to see all sorts, and then, and then it was just mixed up in that. Really, I was going to see you know like bands like Japan and Police and Style Council and whatever it might be. And in in the middle of all that, all my mates be like, with you know Luther Vandross and it, that that sort of music. And Maze was part of that sort of Soul Boy Southeast London Soul Boy thing. So it was a real, it was a real. Um, that was my period of really going. I was going like two or three times a week at one stage. It was just mental, really. <laughs> so that was all part of that, really. That, that tune was into this day. I heard it when I was putting the tunes together for this. I listened to it for the first time in many years, and he still it takes you straight back to marvelous times and you know people I ain't seen for a long time and all that, which is all part of it now, really. Well, yeah. I mean, Tom, before we go into it, I'm going to add that obviously uh, the story about seeing Maze was written by our friend Mark Webster as well, wasn't it? And um, the thing about Maze, when they came over, they, they took over Hammersmith Odeon for like a week, didn't they? They do like yeah. five, six nights. And uh, the, the funny thing is, if you ever had Joy and Power on the radio, it was always a live version you did. Not the full yeah. ten minute version you're gonna get in a minute, but uh <laughs> it's uh it is a proper hands in the air anthem. So uh yeah. yeah. Let's hear and it. And it's and it and it oh, sorry, yeah, go on. Go on, go on. So, if I carry on back. Because no, in his face he says like, you know, we're we're all standing waiting for him. We, they they we've been listening to him for a couple of years and we were waiting for him to come over. When they come over, everybody was waiting for that moment. It was like a bit like Anita Baker, that sort of name you know that's coming one day you've been buying all the records and you know listen to it and then 
suddenly they're on stage in front of you and, and, and as he says in his story we were ready we were ready for that moment you know yeah yeah it's a big like you say it was full of people who never went to gigs normally it was normally clubs wasn't it it was a club yeah. crowd in a in a in a gig venue so uh that's his own story in itself but yeah let's hear it Sometimes we go through life and things don't work out the way you want them all the time. As you grow older, you, you kind of learn to live with the joys and pains of life, y'all. Can I get a witness to that? Everybody knows about them joys and them pains, baby. Put your hands together, y'all. Get down. Ah. Love can be 
was say yeah by Doris Choi, uh, preceded by Julian Payne by me. Uh, so every ticket tells a story. Where did the idea from the book, uh, idea for the book, come from? Well, I had the, the idea for the book came really years ago because normally I always have a, a the title's always the last thing to pick for a book. Uh, for me and uh, I just had it in me it's a, it's a take on every picture tell story by Rod Stewart so I'm probably playing the album looking at I don't know ticket stuff <laughs> coming to me or whatever and uh, I just thought well, there's a great title for a book I'll have to do that one day and like all these things they come and go and I hadn't thought about it and then we was uh, Mark started talking about a photography book was possibly we was going to do came to us with an idea to do for a soul deep uh, that didn't pan out and I said look I've got this idea what do you think and he uh, Mark just said yeah it's a great idea let's let's have a go before we knew it a month in we had I don't Mark had got something like 40, 50 contributors <laughs> uh, you know all lined up and out. I thought Jesus this is uh, but that's typical of us really that don't let's not mess about on this we're going to actually uh, you know just, just do it and see where we land sorry my earphones are dropping out here <laughs> Uh, like right so excited so excited his earphones yeah I know yeah um, so you say like you know Bax had 50 people lined up quickly um, you know I think part of the beauty of the book is that you've got people from all walks of life writing about yeah. a sort of a, a variety of different gigs yeah. I mean I'm assuming I know the answer to this question but how keen were people to, to contribute did you find well, well, well spotted on that because that was the main reason I, I said sure I'd do it but I don't want to I don't want to know the geezers we all know God bless them they're going to start saying oh the jam and weather and you know which is obviously part of it all but if you're going to for me if you, I, I, I'm a bit I'm a bit of an awkward sod really I like to, I like to do things a little bit differently which obviously doesn't always work but I thought you know let's get everybody from every walks of life you know and, and, and the diversity which is the, the word of the day get that in, get that into the mix really and you'll get some really interesting stories because I knew like lots of people not necessarily you would say net regular gig goers but they would they would tell me about over the years in pubs and you know we've all had them conversations at football saw saw him once saw that once and, if and it was just a, sometimes quite surprising um, some of the people their backgrounds who they went to see and that, that was really what it was about and then you know as you say going out and asking them I mean to be fair most people were delighted to be asked because they, they a lot of them have never been asked to do that sort of thing because they're not the normal social media people there's one or two obviously one or two people in there but a lot of them don't really do a lot on social media so they they are not regular con contributors or writing lots of little articles or features whatever it might be just, they're just, just regular people and I said you know we've got a favourite gig and I, and I wanted them to do it because they might have been of a certain age or a certain gender or whatever um, so I would say you know I'd say about, out of about 100 people I asked I think 50, 60 then definitely did it and turned up and did it most of them a lot of people then sort of talked about it and didn't do it and you was chasing them for like you always do <laughs> and that's how you find out you just say to people as Stu just said you know there's always get asked how do you do what you do I always say, just go and do it, mate. Stop, stop, stop asking me and talking about it. Just go and do it. And that is really the, the crux of the... It's finding the time and, and doing it. And I've been... You know, that's that's what we did. Once we got the green light, let's do it. Off and running, you know. There's no there's no other way of doing it. And then, I say, majority of people come back. Um, one or two out of you, you had to chase. But I think the bulk of those stories are really, really strong. Really strong. And... Um, 
it yeah. captures yeah. quite a few time like time periods and bands I didn't know I've never really heard of or listened to. So again, I find it in- I find it interesting because you need- puts you on a journey to try and find out about people, which I and, and, and music that you don't know, which I always for me is a bonus to these things. I felt reading it that um that they, there was something personal about all of those gigs that people chose, whether or not it was a a partner or an ex partner or a you know an old friend or like it it sort of it was into everything was intertwined with people's personal lives as it wasn't it was more than just a gig I found I think um, I think that was the idea really because it's I it's not about so much about what comes off the stage it's about the connections or the people you might go with I mean one yeah. of the best stories in there. Uh, was uh, by Natalie Mitchell who chose a festival where she met this person, this special person who came into uh, her and her boyfriend's lives and uh, and somehow and you know I won't give away the story but it's quite a sad sort of ending but it's one of the best written stories I've ever read on anything yeah. do you know what I mean, I'm glad to see in our book and uh, I, you know so there's them sort of things there's also joy to the music and all that and I think all them things come you know I wouldn't say it's like putting you it's probably well I suppose to a degree it's putting you in the room with those people you know there's a about Cypress Hill the fellow yeah, who, who yeah. wrote about Cypress Hill um, that's crazy one isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. just being in San Diego and you know I, I quite like that it's just in the middle of some place you've never been before and you're getting offered all sorts and uh, you know you cut the light English people out of water in uh, this sort of mad old world yeah you know. and, 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 and the amazing thing was is Cypress Hill and the place that was called, was called the Bob Bob Hope um, because that, that joke like, works over here, but it didn't work over there. And, he, yeah. and, he's, and he's and he's getting patted down as he walks in. He fought for like you know a bit of drugs and that, but it was actually for machetes and machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> it was that, that heavy. It was that heavy. And he said, "Is that is that like so so young?" They're like white couple walked in the middle of all that he said it was unbelievable but Did, didn't they you know, shout something as well that was like didn't he shout east side when he was on west on the west side or something and he thought he thought that was it yeah. he, he, he panicked a couple yeah. of times and he somehow somehow survived it i mean natalie go about natalie briefly i met natalie years ago when she was a young writer working at the royal court, court theater in uh in stone square because i i'm i'm big mates with the family of the the boyfriend sam and that and she's just been working through the gears for years, Natalie. I mean, she's about 15, 16. She's now writing for episodes of EastEnders. So she's really, really worked herself into the business. And I knew that she'd have a great story, but also uh, she can certainly write that girl. And um, uh, uh, that, that, I love to, I love to, that's why I was keen to get people like that involved yeah. because, you, because you know, I know their personal story and their history, but I know that they will also contribute a really good story to the book and it'll be really well written and also you know and, and, and so you get something out of it I didn't know again you know, the story which come out with I didn't know that story so, so you know that's great so you, obviously you've both got a similar sort of work ethic so I'm assuming that that lends itself to working together but you've sort of touched there really back to that you know Natalie was a is a writer and a strong writer but not everyone that contributed to the book is no. a writer how, how was that um you know how was that process of going through people's stories working out yeah that's appropriate or i don't like yeah. the way that's written did that was that a, a sort of a time consuming thing Stu? Well, um to be honest i didn't i i, I yeah I, it was a bit hit or miss i must say one or two <laughs> didn't quite one, one or two didn't quite um you know get out the first time around 
But I left that to Stu, really, because I thought, well, I'm going to get the story, and then I can always go back, we can add to it or change it. But again, I, don't want, I didn't mind it too much because the, these, as I said earlier, these people are not necessarily want to be writers or anything. They just, they just, they're just living their life. And but I know them as really interesting characters, or they got an interesting side to them. And I wanted to get that out a little bit. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a risk, at the, and to say some of them work better than others, but. That was part of the joy of it for me, was to try and get a di- real diverse group of people together who normally wouldn't be grouped together. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the book launch because of that, because uh, if they all <laughs> well, majority turn up, it's going to be really easy to put them together saying, and you should meet, and you should meet. And I think that'll be great, because I know they're going to get on, uh, just, just because they don't normally get invited to things like that, or do things like that. And that, that was part of the, uh, the the joy of it, and the, the excitement of it, really, was to put those different disparate groups together yeah so the, so the book launch is the 27th of april 27th april the water rats in king's cross yeah and where um where can people get tickets well, you can, from? if you buy a book if you pre-order a book you can get a ticket with that uh but you can also you don't have to buy a book now there is a ticket link on we got tickets we can buy but there's not much left because the um what we've done is obviously invited all the contributors plus ones and pretty much all of them are coming
Like I say, like basses, they're strong stories. They're really, really good, and they're, they're across the board. They're from Bill Ailey, uh, by the bless him, Andrew Lou Goldman, who is obviously a massive figure in who means a lot to a lot of people. Danny Bakes, you know what I mean, because mm. of his even Weller said to me once, he goes, There's no Mavericks left, you know, like Andrew Lou Goldman, you know, he tells I mean, his own story. You reach those, these guys nowadays, yeah. speak and have a conversation with him, he's fantastic. And, I mean, you know, good and bad, Andrew. He's got, you know, a certain reputation as being a bit of a, what should we say? Yeah, Maverick's a good word, really. Yeah. That's basically. But that, you know, but also what a life, you know, that, what a fantastic life, and 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 he's still he's still sharp as a razor, and you know, great story, and the fact you can get him, yeah, get to him, is, uh, you know, it's a bonus because you got the likes of him, and you got other people who are just not not an ass worth, you know. And I, and I personally speaking, I like that mix of people, and again. People have said to me when I invite them to the book launch, saying you can come and get your book launch. But well, you invited me to a book launch. I've never been to a book launch. I said that's that's part of, that's part of the joy of yeah, it. You know, come totally. and come, come and have a night out. Come and meet everybody. Get your book, and I think that's a nice thing. I think that's a nice. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it throws open to new new groups of people, and um, and I think it, as as Stu said, once people start seeing the book, actual physical copies of it, of, of the book. Um, I think it. I think it'll do it, well. We'll sell. We'll sell out. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted to ask you actually about that. Um, what What is the finished product going to look like? I know you're working with Steve Rowland again. Yeah, it's going to. Well, it's rather than do it as a, a portrait type book or like you know small page. It's going to be like a landscape. So it's almost like a ticket shape. A traditional ticket mm -hmm. shape, uh, and but just obviously made a bit bigger than that. So uh, the idea is either depending on the length of the story two or four pages for each so uh, one of the <laughs> calling a book called every ticket to a story I assume that everyone has ticket stubs you know <laughs> if you're going to write a story you'd have the ticket stub it means that much and of course that ain't the, ain't the thing so we've had to try and find a few but this is, we've tried to get as many personal pictures in just to show yeah. the diversity of the the yeah. background the people and uh, and I think one thing that me and Baxter and all the people we work with on a regular basis is about inclusivity uh, you know I hate things that are made exclusive <laughs> you know it's that thing of uh you know, we you can come along. It don't matter where what background you are. It's not about what your status is. It's about whether you're all right or not. You yeah. know, and, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's that, that's sort of the premise of the book, really, isn't it? Like everyone was welcome to well, them gigs we went to. Not, and I suppose everyone, not everyone was welcome at times, and they found it difficult. But that's part of the story as well. And that's that's it. Friday, we've thrown this open to everyone to them contribute a story. Um, around that gig, and 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 I and I, and I say there's there's as you said earlier, Joe, there's you know old partners and old lives and different days and up you know that no longer they no longer live, but it, at the time it was very important and it was um, a massive part of their life, and that's why they get a, 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 a sort of real nice thing to actually put story down in the book, you know. Yeah. Did speaking of ticket stubs, how like I mean I've got shoe boxes full of them. And my wife had always said to me, "What what do you keep this for? There's no need." And then when you spoke to me about doing the book, I said, "Well, finally, I've got I've got a use for all these ticket stubs." But but was it a pain trying to trying to find them? 
for, not for me personally, but yeah, but people would send through. People don't understand what high res means, so we get these really sort of copies over, which is fair enough, you know, because if you're not in the game, you don't know that. But um, but a lot of people just didn't have them, you know. We cut these dates, even you know. I interviewed my dad, God rest his soul, just before he passed away, um, about his favourite gigs. I knew I wanted him to be in it, you know. Obviously. Well, not obviously, but he didn't have it. He didn't. He didn't know what year it was, and there's no actual record. He is. I don't think his memory was gone. But uh, him and Mum actually had an argument in front of me about when it was and what where the venue was. So I just went with him, like. Uh, uh, but yeah, so we, you know, not everything's set in stone or set on a ticket stub because we ain't got them. You know, Curtis Mayfield, uh, Tony. I'm gonna say. He's yeah, yeah. He, he, he DJed with Curtis Mayfield which is a fantastic yeah, story. Yeah, story but even he didn't know because he couldn't find a record of what it is and there's nothing online of uh, no. him doing Lester Polly so it's not you know it's more about the story than it was yeah. a ticket stuff but it would have been I, nice I've got, I've got very few tickets I mean I went to loads and loads of gigs I've got, I've got very few tickets I, I'm a bit of a holder you probably can tell from the picture I'm, I've got loads of bits and pieces but I've got very few I, I think it was like them nights were so, you know, they were of the moment. You were there, you were out, you went to see the gig, and on the way, you probably ripped the ticket up. I did anyway, but that's right. Next, and I wasn't, you know, keep yeah. it, you know, wasn't, was, I wasn't, and I, I could find nothing. I could, I, I know, um, very surprised myself, really. I normally collect up. I mean, but like, maybe later on, I think I'm, I'm, as I got older, I worked out the value of that stuff, but as I, when I was a younger man, I just went, I was just rinse through it, I think. I think there's that thing I got at the end of the 80s and threw away all my tickets because I got into Acid House and rejected the past and of course five years later you think oh my god all them all them, you know I can't remember what I went to you know it's nice to have had a record but you get someone like Neil Sheesby who's kept everything oh, Jesus he's, he's a librarian Neil yeah. <laughs> absolutely unbelievable everything's in pristine condition as well it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's scary that it's a bit scary that it's holding that it's scary <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it then about live music that makes oh. the people are so passionate about that, and, and that does come across in every story what 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 do you think it is that as human beings from all walks of life we're, we're drawn to uh, I, I think it's I think it's because you're never going to see it again exactly like that I think it's like that is that is it that particular second you're watching it's gone I mean obviously you get, it can get recorded on, on vinyl it can get recorded on film etc but your personal experience of that of that moment getting there walking into the, walking into the stadium or the, 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 the venue whatever it might be big or small that is quite a moment I mean it's like when you go football you know for the first time remember, as a young kid or whatever and you walk into like Stadium, it's like that's almost overwhelming, and that and that is such an experience. And I think the gigs that I went to, like I wrote about going to see Sinatra with my dad and my uncle Bob, who were both pub club singers, and um, who never shut up talking to other pair of them. And um, <laughs> Sinatra come out, and they were like, they were like, um, it was spellbound. I can't even describe it. It was absolutely spellbound because they grew up with listening to him on record for years and years, and all of a sudden he's standing in front of them. The man is there, and what they got out of that, I don't really know because they've both gone there. Sadly, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't tap into that memory of their own memory. But my memory was like that. I thought that must be almost like seeing a, like a religious figure for them, you know, because they'd grown up trying to be Frank Sinatra of Camberwell. <laughs> 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 like, 
like 30, 40 years, you know, like, you know, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Frank Sinatra. And then a little bloke comes out who's basically a lorry driver or something, you know what I mean? And he's like, whatever. <laughs> but to actually see the man he's standing in front, and I think that must be the same for lots of people, for lots of different bands and lots of gigs and lots of acts they loved or loved at the time or whatever. And that once that gig's done, right, if the band goes on and does another one, but it's never going to be exactly the same as the night before. I mean, I saw Dance Craze in the week at uh, the Beer Fire, um, the two-tone, various tours and lineups. Yeah. And that was, I was getting really, really excited just watching it on film. It was unbelievably exciting. The the the, the bands were, I mean, the sound's fantastic. They're, they're so tight considering chaos on the stage they're bouncing into each other they're falling over they're getting wrapped up in the wires they're putting the leads out it's mental and then the crowd is going absolutely potty and it, the, the excitement of that even on 40 years later it come across the screen so being in that crowd would have been well almost mind-blowing i was just for the, for the fault yes um i think it's that yeah exactly that and it's that thing of unique communication for the for the time you're in the studio um, in the gig venue sorry he's he, he unwritten I, I picked the Sex Pistols they did a small gig at Shepherd's Bush and I never thought I'd ever hear them songs played live and I never thought I'd hear them played live exactly how I imagined them and they did that and more it was just like I say it's beautiful chaos I think something like that yeah. it appeals isn't it I think it appeals especially if you go football and that's half the appeal when you're a kid is the madness of it all yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I, again and not what goes on on pitch but off it <laughs> uh, yeah, being on edge isn't it yes yeah, totally well, it's almost like thinking how you're going to get there thinking about enjoying it and thinking how you're going to get out alive basically sometimes you know what I mean like, you know football especially and that, that that anticipation of all that, all wrapped up in a night out with some pals and a few beers and whatever, is it's it's unbeatable. I mean, it, it, I mean, especially a younger man, you got a lot of energy and you, you can't wait to get out and do it. Um, and I think you can tap if you tap into that. I think that's why you did say to, say to most of the people in the book, tell us about that. I mean, like you know, Andrew Oldham sort of saying, yeah, I was thirteen, I went to see Bill Ailey. I mean, the fact is that. He's not forgotten that, and the, the, the impact of seeing Bailey age 13, you know, at the Dominion Theatre was so strong that he stayed with him now. He's in his, what is he, like 70s, 80s, whatever he is. Um, you know, that, that's what it is. It's like we've all got that one or two memories of uh, life during our lives where it's football, you know, or buying a particular shirt or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to you, means something enormous, but not to everybody else. But it's like some of it's life changing. It is actually life changing. You take that stuff. Thank <laughs> you. 
One of the um, songs you picked for us was Breaking Glass by David Bowie. Uh, have you got any sort of memories of seeing Bowie or that song in particular? I, ne- I never saw him live, but when I was uh, when I was 10, or thereabouts, 9, 10, I saw him on Salt the Pops, that famous the f- one talks about where he put his arm around Rick Runson. I, I had no idea what any of that meant, obviously, I was only 9 or 10, but the, his barnet was unbelievable to me. I thought, I'm having that. <laughs> and then I went, I went, my, me and my mate Kurt Gregg, I'll never forget it, me and, I, were, I say we're only 10, I said to my mum, I want that haircut. And the old man was like, yeah, never in that haircut. I said, I want that haircut. <laughs> so she took me to Maureen's in Peckham, to a, a ladies, ladies hairdresser to get the haircut. And me and my mate Greg sat in side by side. And I could have the haircut, but I couldn't have the colour. The old man was like, he's not having the colour. So I won on the air cut shit and Maureen did, a, Maureen did a Peckham version of Bowie's <laughs> And we, me and Greg spent the next two weeks in the playground spitting on our hands trying to keep it spiky. We literally all day playing football and whatever trying to... So Bowie for, <laughs> Bowie for me was a big... I don't know, it was like it was almost like a cinema Martian, you know, like you, you, you're, like, you're, you're used to whatever you're used to. And all of a sudden, you're just coming into your, your, your teenage years, and and there's this geezer like looking like that. I mean, he looks remarkable now. I mean, like back in the seventies, imagine my old man was having a cup of tea watching sort of pops. Anyway, but anyway, so he he was a massive, massive um, cultural figure. I mean, obviously, stately, bleeding obvious now. But even as a kid, I sort of realised this guy is something unbelievable. So I always kept him kept up with his music to a point but I never saw him live I, as I said I never went to gigs we never I, I wasn't that desperate to go and see him I don't know why I don't I can't understand it can't explain any of that I just think I was just so, so obsessed with football really but I went to see the film the recent Moon Age Daydream film with Julie Milton who write, Julie writes in the book about seeing Bowie when she's about 12, 13 uh, at the, at the um, where was it the Marquee yeah Ju- Julie 
is a, a Millwall fan and she lives in Cornwall and she comes up every every now and again. She's actually besotted with Millwall. And we went to see it at the festival and she was sitting there almost in tears watching that film. It was, it, it, he means so much to her. Um, it's almost like, again, a religious experience. And I, and I said to her, I mean, it meant, it meant, he meant something to me, but to her, it was something, it was something else. It's just, it's another level. Um, so that track, I, I don't know, that, I've always loved that track and I've always loved him, the live version, or, or I've heard a couple of live versions. Um, but he was just a remarkable figure and he will yeah. remain so, really. I think that's, that's why I chose that, just because it's a big change from Frank Sinatra to David Bowie to me. <laughs> That, but that sums my life up, you know. That really, that, I, it, I, I, have not, I, I don't really want to be pigeonholed as anything, really. I don't like being stuck into a box. So, them three tracks that I've chosen, you know, um, uh, really just show the, the the movement in life, really, from being a young kid listening to blokes in pubs to seeing Bowie going, "What the?" F-? And then <laughs> out of your mates, in, out of your mates, age twenty two, three, just having a great time, you know. So thinking about. Obviously, there's, I, I don't know, how many, 100 stories in the book? No, 65, I 65 think. 65 stories 66, in the maybe. book. What, if you had to pick one, what would you say your standout story is? I'll, uh, I, the standout story for me, because it's the one I talk about the most, is probably Natalie Mitchell's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even though my dad's, you know, it's, it's doubly important that he was in there, it's a very short story. Um but Natalie's was really, I think, because you it took me back to time when you go to a festival and you meet a random lunatic or person, but they stay, they bright, they shine, you know, they're proper yeah, yeah. bright, and you know whether it's, it's involved with the whole web of being a festival. Because if you go to a festival, up the chances you might take drugs, you know, just to get through the the weirdness of it all. <laughs> and sometimes you might even take to it like a duck to water and uh. <laughs> And it was, I had a similar experience with someone like that at Glastonbury in 1990, 1990. So I thought of that, but because of the way it was written, I think that's the one that, for me, stands out. But they're all good, you know. I don't want to, it's not like a favourite, it's just the one I remember the brightest because I see myself a little bit in that and people I've met along the, along the way, you know. Yeah. Um, you want my one, dear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I, it's hard to pick one, really, but. I think Spider Anderson um, seeing Weller at Crystal Palace, and he, he hardly mentions Weller to be honest. It's mainly about a beer tent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, good. that was hilarious. I was I was laughing out loud reading that. Seriously, uh, if you could not, you could you had to had to be you no know way you had to had to be real. You couldn't write that. It was just it, like you couldn't invent how crazy that was. And uh, he told me that story a few times over the years, and um, I was waiting for him. And, Deliver that. I think you've got to do it. We've got to get that. It's just a great story. It's just a really great story. And I mean, in a, but again, it, it, as I said, it sums up a gig going, and you hardly mentioned the band you went to see. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is what I'm saying. But people, I think that's when they when they, when they they see the book, they'll be going, oh, I don't really want to read about, you know, Led Zeppelin or whatever it might be. I, I'll, but when they suddenly realise, actually, it's more about life, you know, your, your family, people, sadly, you're no longer around or. You know, you thought very fondly of what you haven't seen for 30, 40 years for whatever reason. That is part, that's why I think it's it's your life being, being viewed for a gig, really, or, or going to live music. And, but that's the same with what we're all doing all day long, isn't it? We, we, you know, we go, 
when we go football, you know, you sit with the same people for 30 years. It's for me, it's very similar sort of uh, situation and uh, very important. And and I and I people who don't go to either football or gigs, um, just weird. No, so I know that neither of you are, are ones to sit still. Um, so after this book has has been sort of uh, published and is out there, what what's happening next? Is there anything you can tell us that you're doing next? What together or just or independently no, of each other together? Uh, whatever. I think uh, uh, I think after the last lunch, me and Peck said. <laughs> I think uh, we'll have to have another one pretty soon because we never know who we might meet. Um, I, as for me, no, just see, I'm just I'm working with Billy off. Uh, the other thing is, I'm going to be uh, working, I'm working with Nikki Weller on the event in Woking. Uh, and then I'm going to take a break for the first time in, I don't know how long that break will last, but I'm determined to take minutes. a break, mate. I believe a word of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but ask, ask the governor what he's up to. Oh, well, I'm I'm trying to retire. I'm trying to stop. I'm actually try- I'm really desperately trying to stop. And no, and I, no one's listening. And uh, <laughs> uh, including myself, to be honest, I mean, it's my own fault. And uh, I, um, after COVID, I there's a reset button for me. I, I was very ill with that, and uh, I thought that would do me. I've had a go. I've done well. I'm all right. And then, um, and a very quiet year. Didn't really feel comfortable not working. I'm I'm I'm. Is the work ethic we got is. Is a curse, really, to be honest with you. It's a curse as much as it else because we can't really sit around doing nothing. I'm not, I'm not really capable of that. I like doing a little bit of that now and again, but so anyway, yeah. So I'm, I'm in the middle of two documentaries um, with no money, which is an absolute ball ache. Uh, I've just signed up for a feature film, which is, you know, they're talking ten to fifteen million pound to make it. I mean, you might as well just say going go miles and you know, I'm call the shot. <laughs> Just potty, but I've got myself in the middle of all that, and then I'm doing a couple of books and a couple of ideas, and uh, yeah, so. Um, so you're, you're winding down before retirement, then, yeah? Yeah, you know, yeah, well, that's the idea, but I'm, <laughs> I've been out, literally, I'm so tired, I've been out all week, and it's like, that isn't what the plan was. The plan was not to do that anymore. So I'm starting to say no, and it's quite difficult to say no. It's nice, you know, nice way to actually say no, not for me, but it's difficult to do because you've always been living on your wits and going for whatever's available but um, I'm trying to pick me battles that's what I'm trying to say I'm trying to pick me battles and this one um, without blowing smoke up his um, bottle was a really was a really great idea and I thought I've got to do that I want to do I want to be part of that so gigs like this like this book yeah all day long you know but uh, other things I get offered I'm sort of trying to Trying to swallow, and there's also, there's, as you as you probably all know in our world, there's not a lot of money about them in it. It's quite tough to get any finance or any funding, so uh, you you're putting a lot of energy. Which uh, again, I just turned sixty, so it's quite hard to get that energy on a regular basis. Um, and there's no real dough, and you, you sort of wonder what the point of it all is. But you still do it. Um, so you know, yeah, I've got I've got quite a few projects on the go for the next two years. So um, we shall see. We shall see what turns up. Well, before so before we finish, every ticket tells a story is out on the April uh, April twenty fifth. It should be with us, so we'll be sending all the pre orders out. The uh, book launch twenty seventh, and uh, yeah, we're just going to do it on, on through Soul Deep. Uh, www.souldeep.com. 
www.ticketmaster.co.uk 15 quid you can pre-order now uh, yeah just um, I think it's something that and we're going to we're signing all the copies apparently I've been told Are we? yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah that means you have to come to Watford well <laughs> 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 I, I, I can't wait to get you up to Watford mate <laughs> I'll never be seen again. I'll never come back. <laughs> <laughs> right, lights of Watford will yeah. take me over. Yeah. I'll never be seen again. Yeah, Tokyo yeah. Marble Arch Watford. So I look forward to it. I look forward. I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm up for that. I'm up for that. <laughs> no problem. Nice one. Right, well, thanks. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I look, I look forward to, uh, to the well, book launch. You're actually doing a Q&A, isn't you, Joe? I am, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There we go. You've already done it. We'll just put a <laughs> Calling up with this, we can go and stand at the bar. Yeah, yeah we're gonna get, get red wine in. Yeah, we just go yeah. and cut the drinks and joke. Yeah. You can play this. We'll just let Jeff Dean do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. or, or, or maybe get the maybe in. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, get maybe out for another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh dear. Right. Oh my God. We've got we've got one more song to play us out. It's your final choice. Um, it's well, I'll let you introduce it. That is. Uh, that's life by by Francis Albert Sinatra, um, who I said loomed large in my um, preteen years. Um, by sitting, I was I was always dragged out uh, by my dad. My mum would say, "Take the boy out, take the boy out," and the old man would always on a Sunday be in some pub or club. So I was in there from the age of about ten, eleven, um, sit in the corner, be quiet. There's a coke packet of crisp, but I always try and get a point or try and get into a point. <laughs> and I did and that, that and literally on a Sunday morning the old man would be playing Sinatra um, and other you know singers of that ilk warming his vocals up you know it was almost like his vocal training he'd be singing the top of his voice um, as I got older he would always wake me up after a set oh, I'd have a really good Saturday night out and he'd wake me up uh, serenading me with his speech tunes but that, that song is the song which the mumper if the, the mumper the book I wrote about this group of chaps and no longer any of them with us anymore really one or two maybe just about uh, that's their song that was if they had a song that was their song their anthem it was just living life to the full uh, and that, that tune and the way he puts it over in, in the live recording is just a marvellous thing really alright well we'll hear it good <laughs> uh, right yeah you've been listening to the perpetual motion show on the face radio and we will be back next month thank you for listening and uh, have a good one au revoir hey that's life that's what all the people say you riding high in april Shot down in May Soon I'm gonna change that tune When I'm back on top This coming June Yeah, that's life And strange as it may seem I know a couple of folks who get their kicks Stomping on dreams But I ain't never gonna let it get me down Because this crazy world going around I've been a piper a poet, a pauper, a peasant a pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out and I know one thing each time I find myself 
I get myself up and get back in the race, that's life. And don't you ever deny it. I was gonna leave town last week, baby, but my heart wouldn't buy it. However, if I didn't think it was worth one try, I'd jump on your bird and then I'd fly. I'd be in a piper, a poet, a bandit, a pauper, a pawn, and a king. I'd be up and down and over and out, and I do know that thing. Each time I find myself laying there flat on my face, get myself up and get back in the race that's life. You better believe it, and don't you ever deny it. I was gonna turn on the gas last week, but my heart wouldn't buy it. However, if there ain't nothing jumping this coming July. Did you get any on you in the band at all? <laughs> I gonna roll myself up in a big ball and Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.